Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. At her best, at her best, America is a nation of ideas and of ideals. Ideas and ideals that are born of a certain spirit, an essential quality that we possess as a nation, a certain something that has made us who we are today. And if you think about it for just a minute, This American spirit is so important to us, it's so crucial to who we are as a people, that we literally stop everything we're doing. We actually shut everything down and we celebrate the American spirit. Not with one holiday, mind you, but two. The 4th of July, which we will soon celebrate, marks the beginning of the American spirit, the brave people who gave their lives to get it going, so to speak. And Memorial Day, which we just celebrated, honors the persistence of the American spirit, the brave men and women of the military who sacrificed their lives honorably to keep it going. What is this American spirit? The American spirit is the spirit of freedom. We Americans will fight and we Americans will give our lives for freedom. We will fight for political liberties. We will fight for civil liberties. And yes, we Americans will even fight for religious liberties. And there's a certain virtue on display in this so-called American spirit because we all know Every single one of us knows that the human heart, above all things, longs to be free. We all long to be free. It's an innate quality inside of us as human beings. Think with me about our American heritage for just a moment. The circumstances that inspired the American Revolution and the ideologies that pushed us forward. Our collective heritage is that of a people who being held in the bondage of oppression politically, culturally, in some cases religiously, came here, came here from various tongues, tribes, and nations throwing off the yoke of slavery with all their might and finding a new freedom in a new land under a new law. Making one people and one nation out of the many E pluribus unum became the American motto, a great melting pot of people from all around the world. And I wonder where that idea might have come from. And when we established certain freedoms in our Constitution, we Americans then turned and we issued a call to the whole world, and we canonized it on a statue that we affectionately call Lady Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor, and your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless and tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp 
beside that golden door. And I wonder where those kinds of ideas came from. They sound an awful lot like the Christian narrative, don't they? Where God is drawing people together from every tongue, every tribe, and every nation through the saving grace of Jesus Christ, who is our true light and our true lamp of liberty. And here's where I'm going with all of this, my friends. You see, it is precisely because, it's exactly because the human heart longs for freedom that we Christians simply cannot settle for second best. We cannot settle for the penultimate freedoms of politics and culture, nor can we succumb to the deceit and folly that some would say is freedom, for the American spirit is not always in keeping with the Spirit of God. Let's be honest. We are increasingly seeing an American democracy contend against the very theocracy of God. Where unholy unions are now legal in our land, where unborn babies are still being murdered legally by the millions, where parents can legally abuse their own children now by changing their genitals. These are among the many atrocities now embraced by the American modern spirit. Racial, gender, and social discriminations that still occur, inequalities in pay among other economic injustices, and not to mention just the general concern for the stewardship of God's creation. America may have pledged herself to be one nation under God, But in many ways, we're now treating God as some sort of protective umbrella who will stand beside us and guide us, blessing whatever we do, whatever it is. Theologians have a word for that. It's called the zeitgeist. It's called the zeitgeist. This zeitgeist is the dominant set of ideals and beliefs that motivate the actions of a particular society at a certain point in time. Ask yourselves, Christians, what's really governing America right now? Are we really running toward the true freedom that comes from God alone? Or are we using our American liberties as a license to run God out of our country? You see, the truth, my friends, is this. The spirit of the age is always, it's always at war with the spirit of God. It always has been that way. And it always will be that way. And if in the course of our American history, and at the battle famously revered as the Alamo, if a secular leader engaged in a secular fight for secular freedoms can call his men to arms by drawing a line in the sand with his steel sword, then how much more does our sacred Jesus, who is engaged in a sacred fight, and sacrificed his own life for the salvation of our souls, how much more does this sacred Jesus have the right to call his church to action by the sword of the Spirit, which is the very word of God, as he speaks these own words from his own lips. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others... 
I will also deny before my Father in heaven. My friends, there is simply no such thing as comfortable Christianity. Not when there is a war going on for the soul of humanity, and not when Christians are called by their commander-in-chief to join the fight for true freedom. Renowned author and Anglican C.S. Lewis said it this way, I didn't turn to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. If you want a religion to make you feel comfortable, then I certainly cannot recommend Christianity. Renowned German pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer, famous for his staunch resistance to the Nazis and vocal in his opposition against Adolf Hitler, was finally arrested and hanged for his Christian beliefs. Before he died, he was a prolific author, and his best-known book is called The Cost of Discipleship. If you haven't read it, I would encourage you to start immediately. In it, Bonhoeffer famously said this, When Christ calls a man, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Let us hear these words from St. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul, who knew what it is to endure hardship for the sake of the gospel. Paul, who we all know is one of the true heroes of the Christian faith. He says this, As servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in great troubles, in hardships and in distress, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, in sleepless nights, and in hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love. He says, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness, in our right hand and in our left, through glory and dishonor, through bad report and good. He concludes this way, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying yet we live on, beaten and not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. And what is it that motivated St. Paul to fight this good Christian fight? Was it not the glory of God that had been revealed to him on the Damascus road? Did he not give everything he had to manifest this glory to the whole earth? Because he himself knew this, that the ultimate freedom above every other freedom is forgiveness of sin and the hope of everlasting life. And Paul is only echoing the sentiments of Jesus himself who tells us today, the student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough, Jesus says. It is enough for the student to be like their teacher and the servant to be like their master. And so here's the bottom line, my friends. If we Christians are to win this world to freedom, the true freedom that comes from God and from God alone, the freedom from sin and the freedom from fear of death, then it must be enough. It must be enough for us to become like our Master. To present the crucified Christ to this world that the world may see the glory of His cross. 
This, beloved, is what theologians have called Christ against the culture. Yes, sometimes Jesus does take a stand against his own creation, especially when the culture comes in conflict with the kingdom of God. Again, from the pen of St. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we may be pressed, but we are not crushed. We may be perplexed, but we are not in despair. We may be persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We may be struck down, but we are not destroyed. Paul says, we always carry in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given to death for Jesus' sake so that death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Yes, my friends, America remembers her heroes those who embraced and embodied the spirit of America, those who fought for the freedoms that we now enjoy, the midnight ride of Paul Revere, George Washington crossing the Delaware, Betsy Ross who stitched our first flag, Abraham Lincoln in the Gettysburg Address, Rosa Parks who stood her ground on a bus in Alabama, and Martin Luther King Jr. who declared he had a dream. And these, my friends, are all noble heroes in the American spirit of freedom. But I declare this to you this morning, that our God also has a dream. And it's much bigger, it's much bolder, and it's much better than the American dream. For God's dream is nothing less than the salvation of the whole world. And for this reason, the church of God also has her heroes. Those who will not bend their knee to the spirit of the age. Those who will not bow to the God of Baal. St. Peter. St. Paul. The saints and the martyrs and all who stand firm in the Christian faith. And let us join, my friends, their heroism here at Christ the Redeemer. For our Lord says to us in today's gospel, do not be afraid of them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed. There is nothing hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. And what is whispered in your ear, proclaim it from the rooftops. So men, be the husband. Be the husband who loves his wife as Christ loves his church. Give yourself up for her and wash her with the word of God as St. Paul says wives be the woman who is a helpmate to her husband let them see the purity and reverence of your lives St. Peter declares not with beauty that comes from outward adornment but from your inner self the beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit And be the family who takes their children to church and teaches them the faith at home, praying together at meals and reading your Bibles together before bedtime. If you're single, be the single man or woman who demonstrates the beauty of celibacy to this sex-crazed world we live in. 
be the army that God is calling us to be here at Christ the Redeemer by standing up for Jesus in the public venues. Talk about Him at work and take Him with you in your social circles. Vote for His values in your political choices. Be a people who boldly proclaim the gospel of salvation and show forth the power of the Holy Spirit that the presence of God may be clearly seen in all the world. And I'll close with these famous words from another hero of the faith, St. Augustine. You have made us for Yourself, O God. You have made us for Yourself. And our heart is restless until it finds its rest in You. Make us restless for You, Lord Jesus. Make us restless for You. No turning back. No turning back.